0: hello everyone it's time to get your eastern approaches on and we're up to episode 14 can you believe it holy smokes yeah party uh all that fun stuff um no we haven't been drinking not yet at least um we're here today we're gonna do a little uh shorter episode today so we're just this is like ben we're cutting the fat off so Uh which if in my case like I need I need a pretty good butcher knife to cut the fat off.
1: I have been I've been working with the abdominizer and the shake weight <laughs> to get myself lean and mean, and uh, and any of those other like um, things that Suzanne Summers advertised in the 80s and 90s. Oh we yeah, are now lean and mean.
0: Can we do the jazzercise? size? Oh boy, mm. never mind. Let's not. Well, uh, I- hey, how and check. How do you say six pack abs?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Like, uh, just I don't know what abs would be. I'll also research that one for you.
0: Okay, all right. I'm guessing abs is one of those awesome words where it's just abs in English because like everyone yeah. knows it, you know. Mm-hmm. But you say You're it with the, <laughs> you say it with the good Slavic accent, it sounds better.
1: Exactly. Universal language of abs and tits. I think just yes. always translate.
0: Uh, so so today we're gonna we're gonna Ben's gonna start us off on. On service culture and things related to service, we talk, We touched a little bit on this when we did our um, pub trivia night a few episodes back, but we'll get a little bit more into that. And then we'll do a kind of a new idea, places that were beyond expectations, below expectations or places we just had no expectations of. So Ben, why don't you start us off on the old service here in this
1: part of Europe? Fantastic, thank you, sir. Hello everyone, thanks for tuning in again. I am Ben Curtis. As always, you can find me at benjamincurtis.me for all your internet pleasures, all your free and uh, above board internet pleasures. So service cultures. So this is important because in this region we are talking about, Central and Eastern Europe, service cultures, you cannot assume them to be the same as wherever you're from, especially if you're not from the region, right? But let's say you're from the US or Canada somewhere, you know you cannot expect in this region uh like you might have it at home in i don't know what in ohio where you walk into your chilies and it's like hi welcome to chilies how can i what can i get for you blah, blah, blah. yeah don't expect the big smiles necessarily right so we are going to orient you on what to expect with service cultures in these countries that we know so well whether that's in restaurants whether that's in grocery stores whatever um, which I hope will give you some really practical advice on requ- like a mental adjustment for you when you go to these places and how to interact with people, but then also some totally like usable steps. And my very first usable step, damn it people, say a formal hello when you walk into any establishment. I, you know, this is a non negotiable. It's not, it's actually pretty common in a lot of places in Europe, right? Where you kind of go into the store, you have to say, whether it's in Czech, Dobri den, if you're in Germany, Guten Tag, you've got to say, Jonapoc in Hungary. Even if you're in France, you better say a nice bonjour. You have to say a formal hello. You might not even get a response, right? But if you walk into a store or a restaurant, you got to say the formal hello. And so that means you got to learn how to say it in the language, okay? So just put that on on your to-do list when you're traveling in this part of the world again make sure whenever you walk in any restaurant or store or whatever you say a formal hello as soon as you come in the door
0: i would agree it's in slovenia here it's doberdon or dorvetcher it just uh and you know what here they usually say it to you when you walk in Mm -hmm. so and so I i would just tell guests you know, like hey you know have Dover Dawn in your pocket because yep. it, it could work as a hello. It could, you know, meeting someone or or the stores, the stores too, for sure. Um, for me, one of the things that, um, and, and I'll switch more just to, to restaurants here, is just the concept of, of service is sales that we have ideas like, hey, the better service, you're going to sell more things. Um, I mean, that could be anywhere, not just restaurants, but I'm thinking more restaurants. And other than family run places where, where service and management is going to be better anyway or just everything's more personable is that's one thing missing. Like, you know, I don't have I don't have a bunch of tales of rude waiters and, sure. you know, miscommunications and getting wrong dishes and stuff like that. I don't have any I don't really have many negative um, experiences here, uh, eating out or going to cafes or things like that. But one thing they're, 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 they don't seem to be good at, and I kind of I think I understand why, is they don't recommend, they don't recommend so much stuff, they don't wanna come by and suggest, oh, hey, you can get this, you want something else. I mean, you could be in a place where there's hardly any customers, so they're not overworked but they're rarely going to check in with you unless maybe they see oh yeah those two pint glasses are for sure all the way down and empty and then we'll we'll come uh, come back so they don't want to you know and, and i don't know maybe because hey every, although this is the same way it is in the states everyone's just on kind of minimum wage and i don't i'm not sure how much they care they want you they want to serve you something good and they want to you know be as prompt as they can or whatever, uh, whether they smile or not is is not so important, but they, I don't think that anything beyond that is like, okay, that's just not necessary. And so who cares if, if that guy's going to order some extra fries now with the second beer or know about this other thing that we have on offer. It just, it doesn't seem to, to be kind of in their brain. And I'm kind of thinking that is more of a management thing. And I think sure. the way management is in the States on just I've worked retail before. Th- that there's probably more of a focus on that, not just the hey, you know, let's do the, like you said the chilies thing, but uh-huh. just more of the, you know, hey, talk to people more, get more personal with them, and you know, and try, you could sell them things, or you you can offer them things that they that they might not know about, and then they b- buy more. Um, regardless, uh-huh. if it's not your own business, uh, it's just that's just kind of how we do it.
1: Yep. No, totally. I, I, it's uh, um, just expectations for what service looks like. You have to adjust those. And one of the things which you just touched on, which also is super important, I was going to mention, is like smiles, right? And I'm comfortable in generalizing that, like, for example, in North America, there's the idea that you're supposed to smile, especially... If, if you're in some sort of service job, right? Like you're a, you're a waitstaff at a restaurant or you're at a shopkeeper or whatever it is. Like the idea is you have to sort of smile, seem warm and friendly, whatever. That that's, that's the, the norm in North America. Don't expect that in Central and Eastern Europe. Now it varies from country to country, I find. And I'm curious as to what you've observed about this, Andrew. But like, for example, I find in Poland, people are a little bit maybe warmer Um, initially when you kind of go to a restaurant or just meet them but Czechs are famously kind of cold seeming right and I've even had one of my Czech friends who interacts a lot with North Americans says she doesn't understand why Americans are wearing masks all the time like the idea that Czechs might have is that this smile that Americans kind of put on when they meet people it's sort of fake right so Czechs would say well either they're not wearing a mask because they're not doing a fake smile or the mask they're wearing is a sort of blank face and i know from again long experience with taking north americans around this part of the world that that might seem offensive whether it's in the czech republic or you go i mean russia also famous for not Mm -hmm. being particularly smiley um and you might be offended by that it's like oh these people are really mean right but that's again where you got to adjust your expectations because just because they're not smiling doesn't mean they're mean or that they don't like you but rather in their culture it is not appropriate to smile at strangers like that right um and checks for example i find them perfectly warm and polite and all that kind of stuff but you just don't you don't smile at people you don't know and and a story that i love to tell from One of my good friends in in London, she's British, but she lived in Russia for a while and she's a super smiley person. Like she just lights up every time you talk to her. And she would have people in Russia when she lived there and was all smiley. um, They would tell her, look, you gotta stop smiling. People are gonna think you're mentally retarded, right? Um, So the, the thing here is just, there's different cultural expectations. Don't expect people to smile at you when you meet them. It varies from country to country. And don't be offended if they're not smiling at you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just because they're not smiling at you doesn't mean they have spat in your food or something Mm -hmm, like that. Exactly.
1: I would, I would.
0: You know, obviously, I spend more time Slovenia, Croatia. Let's just say the Balkans than I do Mm -hmm. in in Czech Republic. But I would say, even with other in other aspects of life, I think Czechs are more. uh, They're they could come they could easily come across as cold whether they're actually mm-hmm. cold or not and and poles usually seem a lot warmer in the Balkans I would say people here are seem come across as very friendly I've had plenty of guests before like you know we just spent the last week and a half in Germany and Czech and Hungary and they cross into Slovenia and like an hour later they're telling me all the differences between hmm. the the, like the woman who served them at the uh, the petrol station, you know, there's um, there's actually really nice restaurants at petrol stations in uh, in Slovenia and elsewhere, and they were just like amazed at the the service and every, and and everything on offer there, you know, and they thought this was better than what we had in like a week and a half in these other countries at normal restaurants. So mm-hmm. I remember them kind of gushing about that. So I think that's I think that's true. Uh, one thing that I'll add about um, about restaurants again is. A lot of Slovene friends have always said, like Slovenes, we're not really that good at being waitstaff. And people would say, "Oh, if I opened my own restaurant, I would just, I would just hire Serbs to be sure. waiters because they take that as a more serious profession there." And this was the same year I went to Novi Sad in Serbia for the first time, and it was fresh in my head. And I kind of noticed where I went. And Novi Sad's not the capital city. And this is ten years ago. where probably you know there's even less tourism uh, you know, and tourists developed, um, as it would be now. And I remember thinking, oh yeah, this, this is really good. Like the surface is here is really good. And some of it, it might just be, you know, that, um, Uh, you know, just a culture in certain countries where it's like, okay, you know, if I'm a waiter, I just need to do this. I maybe, I just need to take the order and bring the food and that's all there is to it. And other, um, other cultures might have more of a, you know, no, this is like a real thing. This isn't just like, I'm going to flip burgers at Burger King for, for six months and then get a real
1: job. Okay. Yeah. So to, so to bounce off that point um, in relation to like smiles and kind of Quality of service, you should know that sometimes, again, depending on the culture and the country, but sometimes you don't even have to say please, right? Like, I don't know, I think I was raised anyway to say please and thank you all the, kind of, all the time, um, and I still do, even in other languages where perhaps they don't expect it, but um, you don't necessarily have to say please, because sometimes the way you actually order in a restaurant in a local language, you just say, give me this. Yeah. What will you? What will I have? I would like, please, eh, no, you don't say that. You just say, give me this. Now, you might not, if you're not a native speaker, but you're just a traveler in those regions, you might not, you know, pick up on that nuance of the culture, but you might pick up on that people seem a little bit more brusque, perhaps, because they don't, you know, they don't seem, thank you, or, you know, I sort of add those little niceties, those little politeness things. But again, that's, that's cultural it doesn't mean if they're not saying please and thank you or you know bowing and scraping it doesn't mean that they're like rude people and the one really like practical tip I have on this is, is obvious right this is this is a no-brainer but you've got to try the local language you've got to use some of the local language even if it's just please and thank you you know just drop those in periodically and a great example of uh, what you can get if you do this, um, or how, you know, how it will change things is so um, Cro- in Croatia, especially in the, you know, really touristy towns along the coast, like wait staff deal with tourists from all over the place. Right. And um, they can often, you know, communicate with people, at least in restaurant language and in, in German uh, Italian, uh, certainly English, sometimes even French and, you know, sometimes Czech and some other things too. In addition to, of course, Croatian, and Serbian or whatever. Um, but they are not used to tourists really making an effort in their local language. So in Croatian. So I've had this happen where people, you know, this, this say waiter seems really kind of rushed or brusque, You know, not interested just getting the job done. But then I order in Croatian, or I, you know, say some things in Croatian and I have seen them literally freeze and go, Oh my God, thank you for making the effort, right? And it will just change them immediately, change the demeanor, like you get so much more attention. People are grateful that you really tried because nobody tries, right? These boatloads of Italian cruise passengers, they don't try, right? You know. Um, so if you try the local language, whether it's in Croatia or wherever you are, then you are gonna get people on your side. You're probably gonna get better service, and it's also just about being an ethical traveler, right? To to make the efforts to actually communicate in the local language. But you know, besides that, it's also probably gonna um, gonna get you better service.
0: Yeah, and the, one of the best things to have in your in your arsenal of uh, foreign phrases is just how to ask for the bill because that's that's the most important thing uh i mean it's great that no one's ever going to kick you out of their restaurant or say "Hey, you got it, we got another table booked here at 8 p.m so you got to skedaddle it's like are you are you because in america it, it, when it gets rude it's like oh you're not going to order dessert or anything else okay well i'm going to give you the bill it's mm-hmm. like okay move, move along please in here but you know, when you actually you know have to go, or oh that uh, that train is leaving in ten minutes. I you know if I know the train's leaving in ten minutes, twenty minutes, or or more beforehand, I'm already like racun prosim,
1: rachun uh-huh. prosim,
0: you know. Or you know they come, and then the other thing too is nice to know is just you know uh, to say you know carditsa if you have credit card uh-huh. or just have it out there so they know okay I'll bring the credit card uh, swiper thing. Or you know, or cash. Uh, so I always notice the same thing too, Ben. Just having, especially places that where they don't know me because they don't know that I live here and that, that I should probably know more than I obviously do. So it's oh okay, he he said he'll pay in cash and the local language or whatever it was. So that's always a that's always appreciated. But yeah, I definitely think the uh, the local languages go further, and probably in those touristy spots maybe even further just because they're they must just be so tired of so many people and everything's just in italian or english or or whatever and it probably will will get you some extra little like slice of karma or something like that
1: yeah yeah exactly I, i karma is served in slices i always i've always had uh karma as a pudding so anyway i don't know where that's going but um but yeah, and, and I mean, it is so. Yes, ask for the bill in the local language, and that is, I think, a great point. Because um, I've definitely had like Americans in my tour groups who would assume that once they're clearly done, that the bill is just going to turn up and they and they're going to pay it and leave. But no, you like got to ask for it, right? And and don't expect it's going to appear a minute after you ask for it. Like yeah, you might have to have to ask twice, and it's not a big deal, right? They're just like they just will let you sit there, right? I mean that's don't there's no rush for them and maybe you've got a rush but they assume there isn't one for you so like just go with the flow and slow down and that's okay but know that you're going to have to ask for the bill otherwise it's probably not going to turn up
0: yeah i've um, even i've gotten some tables sometimes when they said oh no this is reserved at eight you know uh and it's 6 and i'm like hey I'm American. I'll be I'll yes. be done in an hour or whatever. And I've exactly. gotten tables before where for where they were for sure they wouldn't have given it out to a local, or if the the local would have said, well, yeah, no, there's no way I'm going to be done, you know, in an hour and 15 minutes. So uh, that's uh, and that's also some something to do with uh, eating earlier. There's I remember mm-hmm. being in different places and you'd I'd ask the local guide, hey, what time do most people eat? Okay. And you know, then, oh, you need an appointment at six for dinner? Well,
1: that will be really easy
0: because no one's yeah. eating
1: dinner at six here, so. Exactly. Yeah, so they've just finished lunch at that point. Um, uh, so my last suggestion on the service culture thing is uh, that if you are lucky enough to have this experience, savor it. And what I'm talking about is maybe the classic stereotype of bad communist service, which is getting yelled at by someone. Like, let's say you're in some cafeteria line in Kiev, for example, or Kiev to be nice to the Ukrainians. Or, you know, I just happened to be in Romania one time. I remember I was in like a bakery and was getting yelled at. Um, and I find it often. It's these days. I mean, so so long after the you know communism expired. If you're going to get yelled, that's probably by a cranky older woman right? who's maybe been working service all her life. Um, And if it happens, don't get upset. Just revel in it because it is an artifact of a vanishing culture. I mean, in the decades I've been traveling around this part of the world, I have definitely noticed how service standards have improved. Um, And it used to be much worse. And, you know, some places it's better than others still, but um, the the chance to have that kind of um, getting yelled at by some gorgon when you are in a restaurant or a shop uh, that that opportunity is fast disappearing so if you get it then you just like you know pat yourself on the back you can tick your your bucket list yeah I have received some soviet style service awesome
0: yeah. Also, you can get that maybe uh, by the the kind of babushka in the metro stations. You know, like you're uh, yeah. going on the escalator to hell, and you're like, mm-hmm. I'll put my elbow here or my uh, my my little uh, bag, personal bag, on that part. It's like, no, you're like, oh, she must be, she must have like bionic vision and saw me <laughs> from like 200 meters up the escalator. It's like, nobody, don't 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 try getting away with that shit on my metro. So. Yeah, you're just like, well, that won't happen. You know, when when uh, the Generation Z's around, they're not going to be barking at you If we're still alive and the Generation Z people are around, they're not going to be barking at us like that. So, uh, yeah, you're you're right. We got to enjoy it. Um, exactly. So let's speaking of enjoying, let's uh, let's enjoy some some a kind of a quick round of places that we went to that were beyond our expectations or below our expectations, or places where we had no expectations. Um, ben, give me give me a pick of yours for a place that was beyond your expectations.
1: Okay, so I just mentioned this place, Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. Like, I went there first time thinking this is gonna be some ugly Soviet city, but no, it blew me away with its history, some architecture, some art, its setting. I was like, what's to see here? Turns out there's a lot to see in Kiev.
0: Nice. Yes, I well, I, it's, it, it, it's been a long time, so I need to go back and, and check it out to see where it ranks on my Beyond, Below, or No. Uh, I will have Gedankst as one of my pick picks. Uh, the first time I went to Poland, I didn't see it, but I'd seen some pictures, and it looked quite different enough from other places in Poland, and I was like, wow. I just didn't realize the the enormity of all the brick architecture and what it looked like right after the Second World War and how it, amazing it looks now and how rich of a city it was, one of the richest cities in Europe for a couple hundred years, and how it has this—you know—it's yes, it's Polish, but it has this uh, Hanseatic feel, this Baltic feel to it. It's 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 quite a quite a place, and so and a couple of really really huge museums that could take up a half a day or more there that are mm-hmm. in like the art so um that's it's not to be missed
1: where's the place that you went to thinking yeah you know this this might be pretty interesting and turns out eh, it didn't quite measure up for you where was one place like that andrew
0: you know it's funny it because it, it wasn't the first time but but split split to me sure. is is below i went the first time i went there I enjoyed it. I think I spent three, three nights there. Um, And, and this, some of this is always just a product of, you know, how, how often you have to go there and, and, and just, and other factors, but you don't want to, it's one of those things where it's like, I I already know, like I don't have expectations. I know exactly what it is because I've been there so long, but when I see people talk about it, like, Oh, here's this place. I must, they, they they must have on their list and blah blah you know and oh i'm gonna spend x amount of nights there i'm just like yeah you know i was like i'm not sure outside of diocletian's palace i'm just gonna get the heck
1: out i am horrified by that opinion but we'll go, we'll go we'll cover that another time um uh this podcast is over no um <laughs> All right, Ben, I, so, well I'm sure I'm sure you could have a below place that I like. So, so I uh, I kid, I kid. Though no, I do really like split, but we'll we can we can fight about that another time. So for one of my belows, I'm gonna say Batumi, Georgia. And for anybody who doesn't know, Batumi is like Georgia's main resort on the Black Sea. And it's kind of the it's one of the like main resorts for the whole Caucasus and even like Eastern Turkey, like people go to Batumi and it's got this sort of Las Vegasy thing to it. Like not casinos per se, but this sort of flashy, uh, trashy sort of architecture. Um, and there's some like mountains behind it and whatever. So the setting is kind of pretty, but man, I, I really wanted to like it and I didn't, I thought, yeah, this isn't that special. You know, the, yeah there's nice things about it but uh but i i definitely do not get why people flock there uh in the summer season unless they have no other choice i guess
0: yeah and i think it's i think it's fair to point out uh that this isn't like here's a bunch of places that are like no better than a pile of dog crap warmed up in the microwave mm. it's yeah. just things that were 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 below what we were expecting. I mean, and part of it is, hey, I mean, there, there's not a bunch because, you know, if you do your research, you you shouldn't, like if you do your research and you have like, and you go away for two or three weeks and you have a bunch of places that were below your expectations, you either have really bad expectations or you have uh-huh. really bad, you, you know, you're bad at choosing places to go to. Um, and sometimes you can kind of have no expectations. You just, it's like, okay, I read about it. I, th- I know a little bit, but you know, I'm not counting on it to be great or anything. I've just, I'll just kind of go there and see what it's like. And here's the irony. I've got a, I got a list of three places. And the place I'll talk about right now is the place I live, Koper, Koper, uh, Slovenia. Before I moved here about three, less than three years ago, I had visited Koper twice in about what, 17 or 18 years of visiting sure. Slovenia. Uh, and it wasn't like, oh, I came here and I was like, oh, this is this is garbage, or whatever, I'm I'm never coming back, or, you know, I got ripped off, or, no, nothing like that, it was just, okay, I don't know, it's some, it's a city, there's some old Venetian houses, there's a port there, I don't know, I mean, there's just, you know, I didn't go back, I had no opinion of it, I didn't think, I didn't think like, oh, here's a place I should live, or here's a place I definitely don't want to live, it was just, Just kind of no no real real image about it or no real opinion about it if people were having a conversation about good and bad things in slovenia i'm sure coper wouldn't have come up uh on either side of that uh, debate so that was for me as like one place with no expectations of course you know now now that i've lived here uh it's like wow okay um you know maybe if i knew more about it before maybe this would have been my initial place to move when i when i came to slovenia almost seven years ago but You know, so yeah, sometimes you'd have no expectations and you're like, okay, I guess I'll live here.
1: (laughs) That's uh, being pleasantly surprised is always pretty fantastic, I think. Um, So, my no expectations first in my place is I would say Wrocław in Poland, which I just visited this past summer for the first time. And as I have shamefully revealed in a previous episode, I don't know a lot of Poland as well as I should. I've heard of, i would certainly heard of Rotzław. I even had a friend who'd spent some time there. But I went there thinking, okay, so here's, here's like the biggest Polish city closest to Prague. So it was kind of easy for me to get back to Prague from there. Um, And I, I just didn't know, I knew it was historic. I knew it was big, but like a lot of cities that are now in Poland, even though Wrocław used to be German, you know, it was basically sort of ashes in 1945, right? So I thought, how could, how nice could it be? But Actually, it turns out it's quite nice, right? It's super historic, very, very long history. Um, yeah, it had a lot of damage in, 19, in the World War II, but the historic center was mostly rebuilt um, as it was historically. And it's this like great university town, quite wealthy um, in the Polish scheme of things, and a lot going on there. So that to me was a pleasant surprise like i don't really know what i'm in for going to Wrocław, but it turns out ah there's actually you know it's a good place for a good couple of days sightseeing
0: wow well, yeah that's one place i really want to see I mean, you know would be almost on the top of my list my list of polish cities that i haven't been to so for me if i go there i think it's going to it's either going to be below or beyond or whatever. It could, it could just be like, yeah, this is pretty good, but it's not. But, but um, I, I have, I definitely have expectations uh, when I'm going there. It's funny just looking at my list of the other places I have down, which we'll discuss on another episode about no expectations. And on all of them, I came out on, on the winning side. So I think sure. my, some of that might have to do with, you know, at the end of the day, you still, you still should gravitate to places, even if you're not thinking that there's going to be much there or it's, you know, you, you just don't know much that probably should be good, you know, especially for people who are seasoned travelers, uh, like ourselves, which is why I think it's really hard to have really, really below places unless somehow you've been warned and it's still so much, so many degrees worse than, than what you were warned about.
1: Yeah. Now I'd be interested if people listen to this episode, um, I would love it if you would go on our, our Facebook, our, our Eastern Approaches podcast Facebook page and tell us places that were beyond your expectations, below your expectations or where you had no expectations, just because I think it's fascinating to hear uh, you know, where you were pleasantly surprised, where you were disappointed and where, where you're like, I don't know. And however it came out. So so do us yes. a favor if you're listening uh, and, uh, and Keen, uh, let us know uh, about your beyond, below and no. Sounds,
0: sounds like a deal. Hey, before we skedaddle on this uh, shortened version of our podcast, Ben, do you have a, any practical tip for, to give out to everybody today?
1: Yes. My practical tip today is an app and it's one I use quite a lot. It's called Happy Cow. And Happy Cow is a kind of crowdsourced ratings of vegan and vegetarian restaurants and shops and cafes, really anywhere in the world. Um, Now, I like it because, of course, I am a vegetarian who tries to be vegan. But that doesn't mean that if you're not a vegetarian or vegan, that it's useless. Because um, one thing that's great about Happy Cow is kind of the community who uses it is smaller and more discerning than other crowdsourced like restaurant and shop um, recommendation, places like, say, TripAdvisor. Like TripAdvisor, this may be a topic for a whole other time, but, like, I rarely use it because, A, I think they, you know, you can pay to have your, to get reviews or you can have pay to have your reviews boosted or your listings boosted or some various fishy stuff. But also I just find that, like, you know, here, here we can be snobby. Like, it's sort of the hoi polloi um, reviewing restaurants. And so the places that get most reviewed, are the ones that are the most obvious, like tourist restaurants, like right on the harbor, whatever, like right on the main town square. And so I don't find, I don't necessarily trust the reviews on TripAdvisor as being that reflective of the place's quality. But Happy Cow has a much smaller and more discerning community. And so I think the reviews are more actually reflective of not only the most obvious places you might visit, but they even find places around the town that aren't smack dab in the tourist center that you can check out. The other reason why Happy Cow might be useful, even if you're not a vegetarian or a vegan, is if you are traveling someplace where it's a very meaty cuisine. So for example, the Czech Republic is one of those such places, but even places like France or China, these countries where they kind of want to put meat in everything. And if you are like, if you want to break from that, like, God, where can I just go and get a nice salad? Well, Happy Cow is your friend because you can like zoom right in and like, okay, this place, people get rave reviews for it's salads or it's smoothies or it's bowls or whatever. So um, you can certainly find the good, pure vegan vegetarian restaurants on there, but you can also find the restaurants and cafes and stuff that do serve meat, but have really good veggie options. So check out happy cow, and it will help you uh, eat some more plants when you are traveling abroad.
0: I will check that out. I've I've never, I've never heard of uh, happy cow before, so I'll give it a go. Cause I'm thinking, Uh, That might help me out actually finding an Asian or Middle Eastern place Mm because some of those places could be vegetarian, and then that would be okay by me. Or yeah, yeah, there are some times when you're just like, oh, I'm so meated out. I want something. I want something more interesting than the normal three or four salads that they have on every menu Mm -hmm. for that for those vegetarians that go to the meat places. So might be a good uh, way to find that. And like you said, yeah, any place that has a better community or more discerning community is great because TripAdvisor is one of those things like the main reason I use it is like if there's a place that's great, like maybe a hotel I'm thinking of using, I don't need to know like everyone's opinion. I only want to know like if it has like a couple of bad reviews, what those issues Mm -hmm. are. Not Mm -hmm. even like their star rating, just like what are the issues? So I only use it to find like what's the negative things that could be potential problems uh for me that's i i kind of use it like in an inverse way uh mm-hmm. but otherwise yes it's so generic it's like oh the number one restaurant in this whole city what it's some cafe that looks like like uh okay it's two steps up from starbucks but like that's the best restaurant in the whole city it's mm-hmm. like come on <laughs> so yeah um my my tip is um, actually something i posted on our um eastern approaches podcast facebook today and that's just a photographer that that I've liked for uh, quite some time. I think for the last maybe three or four years. Uh, Japanese photographer, uh, Yuya Matsuo. And if you go to our podcast, there's a link to his um, Facebook page. Um, he's a photographer who spends a lot of time in Croatia and Montenegro. And he's currently in Poland and Czech Republic because he's got some nice winter scenes and Christmas uh, decorations and Christmas lights from, from uh, Warsaw, things like that excellent photographer. And he, I don't know how much time he spends in this part of the world, but he seems, he seems like every year he's over here. Cause it's not just repostings of old things. So, um, he's actually someone I like to have on the show at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, uh, but anyway fan- fantastic photography and if if you're like just for whatever reason you're you you do not have a a dream destination to go to or none of the places for for whatever reason we, have, we haven't talked up enough just check out a, a few of his photos from the myriad of places we've discussed in our episodes and you'll be like holy smokes those are beautiful let's go there so Yuya Matsuo I won't uh, spell it out but you can find it find his link on our facebook page check his photography out he's fantastic
1: and what is our facebook page again andrew it's eastern approaches
0: podcast brilliant Oh, so it's like this slash eastern approaches podcast uh, at the end of facebook so and we cool. post all their episodes all of our episodes every every wednesday there as well
1: fantastic well thanks everybody for stopping by our facebook page sometime and we do look forward to any comments you might have and Thanks from me for listening for this episode.
0: And thank you from me. This is Andrew Ballone. You could find me at com. And until next week, ciao.
1: Ciao.